Chase Michelson did an incredible job here as an intern for Ebling Media, one of the best researchers you would ever find. He was sports editor of the State News, contributor to the Free Press, now out in Las Vegas, a Westgate casino at the Superbook. But he's not in Las Vegas now. He's back here, or was last night, uh, at Breslin Center. Chase, so what brought you back to mid-Michigan? Uh, in-laws. You know, girlfriend's family, we're doing, we're doing Christmas. Yeah. I'm in, yeah. I'm in Port Sanilac, Michigan. Wow. Which I learned was very far from East Lansing. It, it is. <laughs> yes, about as far as you can go in that direction. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> kind of uh, almost close to nothing. But uh, you were in Breslin last night to see Michigan State and kind of an up-and-down performance. Uh, good first few minutes, and then Oakland got a 12 nothing run. This is not a vintage Oakland team, certainly not the current incarnation, not healthy. And then Michigan State scored 23 points in the first five and a half minutes of the second half and only 15 the rest of the way. What did you make of Tom Izzo's team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a team that looks like they're in transition, um, which I think makes sense. It's not a particularly deep team, and they had to be um, last night with the injuries and with the looks like a – did Izzo confirm that it was a first-half suspension for Peter Brooks? Uh, uh, yeah, he was late to okay. a couple of things, and uh, he didn't want to reinforce those habits. Right, and he, Tom was an angry elf. I get it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought for the most part, I thought that you know Michigan State looked like a team that uh, maybe is a little bit sleepwalky. Um, yeah. Obviously, they played well coming out of the second half, and so many fouls, so many fouls called. Um, that allowed them to, to get points to the free throw line in the second half. But, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's right before Christmas. Um, the atmosphere was not exactly – like, you know how Tom will say, like, five times a year, man, that crowd felt like the old days. Yeah. <laughs> not last night. Uh, last night no. did not feel like the old days. It felt like everybody was just agreed to be there. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't – read into it too much. I mean, I think the the goals of that team are still pretty much ahead of them, and they're yeah. probably in that second tier um, yeah. in the Big Ten. So, Who's in the first tier? Well, Purdue. <laughs> Anybody else? Um, Is it one team and then a big second tier? I would still argue, and I know they've struggled recently, I would still argue that Illinois, talent-wise, is, is in that tier. Okay. Um, like, uh, Even Purdue, though they lost by 15 at home to Penn State, you're you're yes. good with that. Yes, uh, not a good performance, but okay. um, I think I think that Illinois still has has a lot of talent, and I think Brad Underwood's a really good coach. But boy, is he a screamer! Sad day for <laughs> screamers yesterday. Yeah. I'm uh, used uh, to, to that kind of coaching here after Judd Heathcote and Tom Izzo. So yeah, uh, when you uh, when you're laying 31 and a half points and you lose, that's. Uh, it doesn't happen yeah. very often. That's the biggest spread upset in college hoops this century. So bigger than UVA, Maryland, Baltimore County, bigger than wow. any of the big Duke losses, bigger than any of that. 
you know, it's a regular season game, so it won't get as much of a hype, and it wasn't in Hawaii. But, yeah, 31.5 points. And Iowa lost to Eastern Illinois yesterday. So. What was really that line, if there was one, for a number one ranked uh, Virginia losing to Chaminade? I don't know. That's a good question. But it, it, there's a decent chance that there just wasn't a line because yeah. I think back yeah. in the old days, they just didn't book every game the way they do now. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, with the, the competition and with the technology that exists now, um, betting menus are just so much bigger than they used to be. You know, it's right. like my boss told me that when, when he first started working at the Imperial Palace and whatever it was, 1995, that they wouldn't book NFL first halves unless the game was on TV. Wow. So you could bet the game. What that's a change. It. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the All NFL. Right. I, I want to <laughs> go back to last Sunday, and I said I wasn't going to talk about this anymore, but uh, with you on, I want to reflect on uh, one of the more interesting sporting events. And for a soccer guy like you, it had to be Nirvana uh, with what happened with France and Argentina, except for some people, the wrong side won. Yeah, the sports book didn't do too well. The public did incredible. Uh, we were not the only sports book that lost on Argentina. Everybody was betting Argentina coming in. Um, they were playing at a really high level coming into the World Cup. And, of course, the narrative of Lionel Messi finally getting his, his World Cup to place him alongside uh, Diego Maradona and, to a lesser extent, Mario Kempes in the, uh, in the pantheon of, of Argentine players. Um, it, was, it was exciting. I mean, the game wasn't great for the first 75 minutes that France pretty much no-showed. They looked like they had been sick in bed all week. Yeah, But it sprung into life, and Kylian Mbappe is uh, – it was an interesting sort of passing of the torch moment, right? I mean, Lionel Messi, 35 years old, probably his last World Cup, even though he says he's going to keep playing for Argentina. We'll see four years from now what, where he's at. Um, and Kylian Mbappe, man, he looks like – He's, he looks like the next great player. Him and Erling Holland, it looks like, are probably going to carry the next 10 years of European soccer. Um, so that's exciting. Um, the World Cup is always the, the biggest thing, and we don't need to get into the reasons why, but the frustrating thing, I think, is that the World Cup didn't get the spotlight that it normally gets in this country because of the timing. Um and so when it is in the summer, as it belongs and has it, as it has always been, as it, as it will be going forward, um, you'll see that. And I think you will see three and a half years from now when it, the World Cup is mostly in the U.S. with a few games in Canada and Mexico, you will see the explosion of popularity that has happened since the last time the World Cup was was in the U.S. in 1994. It was like a curiosity. It was like, why are they having the World Cup in this country that doesn't care about this sport? It's a curiosity uh, to me, and I covered it. So Right. Well, uh, this country cares now. Um, they, they, they care about the national team, and they care, and they know um, what's going on. It's so much more accessible now. The Premier League is on NBC every week. It's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a really different um, landscape to what it was, and I guess it'll have been like 28 years or 20, right? 28 years by the time um, 2026 rolls around. And I think that the 
world will be probably a little bit surprised um, at the atmosphere that's going to be created in America three and a half years from now. So I am excited about that. I'm very excited about that. And, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, there's going to be games in L.A. We'd love to go. You know, I, I you, so where, you covered the 94 World Cup at the Silver yeah. Dome? Yeah, I did. Oh, my God. They played World Cup soccer at the Silver Dome. That's amazing. Yeah. Place that isn't even standing now, but, you know, they brought in grass uh, designed here at Michigan State. Uh, Trey Rogers, uh, the Sultan of Sod. It was the first time that they had, had grass indoors, but they brought it in on these pallets, and it, it stood up fantastic. I mean, the players were raving about it. Well, so, not the first time. They tried grass at the Astrodome, right? Yeah, they, they did some experimental things, but, I mean, for the World Cup. No, I know. Uh, it was the first time that they had done. A lot of people were saying, you know, how dare they play uh, the world's greatest sporting event uh, in these pallets. And, uh, you know, couldn't couldn't tell the difference. It was better than a lot of the fields outdoors uh, that are actually subject to the elements. But I was going to ask you when we can expect the Westgate Superbook to be posting odds on who's going to be winning the 2026 World Cup. Is that a couple years from oh, now? No, those have been out since Sunday afternoon. You're kidding. Oh, yeah. Wow. World Cup. Jeff Sherman gets those World Cup odds out fast. So, yeah, they are currently what out. What are they? Well, hold on a second. You're a smart guy. Guess the favorite. France. Brazil. Brazil. It will be okay. the 22nd World Cup. And this will be the 14th time that Brazil is the pre-tournament favorite. Oh, okay. I so just by those with, standards, uh, they actually Mbappe, have underperformed. Uh, supposedly being in the prime of his career. Are we to the point now with uh, Lionel Messi where it's kind of like uh, Howe and Gretzky and then there are a bunch of other guys that uh, the discussion is now Pele and Messi? Um, yes, I think pretty much, yes. Uh, people will throw Maradona in there, or people will throw Ronaldo in there, and, you know, Messi and Ronaldo had such a rivalry about 10 years ago where they were really both to speak of their powers. Um, but Messi, what Messi has done is, is in a different level. I mean, there's nothing that you can say. There's no accomplishment in soccer that he hasn't accomplished. He's won his domestic league a billion times. He's won his domestic cup. He's won the Champions League. He's won the World Cup. He In 2012, Jack, in the calendar year of 2012, so split over the course of two seasons, between playing for Barcelona and playing for Argentina, he scored 91 goals in a calendar year in 69 games. Um, okay, uh, that that's all the soccer we're going to get in 2022, ladies and gentlemen. I want to talk about uh, some other <laughs> You bets. asked me. I know, because you're on, and every time you suck me into this. Uh, when can we get a better, maybe that's already up to, uh, who's going to win the 2023 Heisman Trophy? That that won't be up. That's a, like, I mean, we could get it up, but I don't want to. Not yet. Not until we know where everybody's playing. We won't know. I mean, honestly. We don't know where these have... soccer teams are playing in the World Cup. They don't have this draw. They don't have the, the group stage. You don't know who's with whom yet. Yeah, but it's the national team. All right. It's, you know who's going to be in the World Cup pretty much, especially now that they've expanded it. The Heisman, I don't even know who's going to be playing at what school. 
look, that's true. That safety that <laughs> that flipped from Notre Dame to Oregon to Oklahoma in the process of 24 hours. You know, that's that's college football now. It doesn't make it bad. It just makes it different and harder to handicap. All right. Uh, looking ahead, so Caleb Williams talk... will be, I'm sure, the favorite. I'm sure he will, as he should be. Uh, what about runner-up? Could you get a bet on the Heisman runner-up? Uh, I don't think you can get a bet on the Heisman runner-up. Oh, but that'd be much more interesting. There will be. Well, I don't think Caleb Williams is like a slam dunk. That one guy has won it twice, and in the last yeah. ten years, there's been a bunch of guys that have come back. Like yeah. I personally, yeah. and we talked about this. I think I personally believe that Bryce Young played far better this year than he did last year. But unfortunately, his team lost games, so he was ineligible. And he was injured, too. Right. Yeah, um, so, right, you know. Let's talk about Major League hard. Baseball for a minute. Okay. And uh, who would have thought on the day that they're making Aaron Judge the captain, which I guess with the Yankees is a big deal, that uh, the back page of the tabloids in New York is about the Mets. I was going to ask you, Jack, do you have any money? I'm raising money for the Yankees. And I wanted to see if you could donate. Just a few bucks could go a long way towards yeah. competing financially with the Mets. Uh, your dollar will go a long way. So let me know. I got, I got uh, $5,000. Oh, it's Monopoly money. Never mind. Uh, when you think about uh, free agency, which team did the best? Is it the Mets? Is it Texas? It's not Texas. I don't understand what Texas is doing. So let me ask you a question. Does Texas seem to you like a team that's one starter away? No, but they seem like a team that thinks that they can buy their way into the party. I I mean, okay, we'll see. I I know Jose Abreu is a pretty good get, right? That's true. That's true. That's true. But Texas still feels like a long ways away. No, I think it has to be the Mets. And, and here's why. Because when we think of these contracts, we think like, man, that's a crazy contract to give out. And who knows what that's going to look like 10 years from now. But it seems like Steve Cohen doesn't really care. Which All right. Well, get, what about the team that's the biggest loser in free agency? Um, it's, well, I, is Rob How about the Giants it? getting left is at Rob the okay? there? Huh? It might be the Giants, but I but it might also be Rob's team. Oh, yeah, right. Be, not yeah, yeah, just because they lost Andrew Bogarts, but because it sounds like the Red Sox and Rafael Devers are, like, worlds apart. Yeah, that, concern, that concerns me more, Chase, is the Devers is yeah. not right. even close to extending. I'm okay and with it, Bogarts leaving, especially the contract that the Padres uh-huh. right. gave him. I'm glad the Red Sox did not do that. Yeah. No, that's fine, and I, I agree with that, but I think it's more the pattern that seems to be emerging, yes. and you can speak to this more. And I don't. This has nothing to do with me being a Yankee fan. I'm just saying, like, it's, I don't like it when teams like the Red Sox or the Yankees try to cry poor and say, well, there's just nothing we can do. And the Bogarts thing is one thing, because that's clearly an overpay. But, but like being like, well, there's just nothing we can do about paying Rafael Devers. We're just the poor little Boston Red Sox. Like, come on. Like, you right. can pony up. And obviously this happened with Mookie Betts. 
and it feels like it's going in that same direction, which I think is, I just think is silly. Like, I just don't yeah, think that's ridiculous. Bad. It's ridiculous. I agree with that. The money is there. So, <laughs> I mean, the Red Sox sell out every game at yeah. ridiculous ticket prices, and they have a massive television contract with Messi. They have money. Yeah, and, and I don't I think, think we're that, ever going to see a franchise that misses out on uh, high-priced free agents say, uh, you know, our budget isn't going to be as big as we thought, so our ticket prices are going to drop by $2 uh, per ticket this season. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, but, yes, your point about the Giants, right? I saw a tweet that said that uh, they had Aaron Judge signed for six minutes and Carlos Correa yeah. for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened, what was this physical he took, and why did the Giants have a physical that's so different from everybody else? I don't know. That was strange because whatever it was, I think the Giants were in a standpoint where they're like, well, we're going to renegotiate. We're going to try to get a discount on it. And Steve Cohen said, no, 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 don't worry about a discount. Just come over here. And whatever it is, whatever it is, the Mets don't seem concerned about it. I mean, you know, the, the guy could have four legs, and the Mets wouldn't care. They'd just sign him and throw him out there. But it looks like that's a pretty powerful team uh, moving forward now. They can't even play him at his right position, and it's kind of like a Manny Machado deal, right? Right. Yeah. No, the Mets are going to be scary. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And this is, I, and we, you know, when, when Steve Cohen bought the Mets, this is more or less, I think, what I expected. He said, look. I'm rich. I'm a Mets yeah. fan. I yeah. want the Mets to win World Series. How do I do it? Yeah. So, oh, where do you see what the Phoenix Suns are going to look like with Matt Ishbia instead yeah. of Robert Sarver? Yeah, that's an upgrade. Yeah, that is definitely an upgrade. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about this next week, but uh, I want to talk about the movement, if there is any, in the lines for the college football playoff semifinals, uh, Michigan and TCU. Is that still a bigger spread than Georgia-Ohio State? Yeah, not a ton of movement at this point. Uh, right now, it, it's been for the last couple weeks, it's been Michigan 7.5 and, and Georgia 6.5. And um, that's typically how it goes with these games that are scheduled for a long time. There's line movement at the beginning. The line gets posted, people bet it, and then as we get close to kickoff, there may be a second wave of line movement that I would expect. But in the interim, like nothing's going to change in the next week, really. I think it would probably be the 24 hours leading up to kickoff. Excuse me. How surprised would you be, Chase, if the national championship game uh, were not Georgia and Michigan? Uh, shocked? Uh, pretty surprised, a little surprised, or not surprised at all, that one I of those two teams would lose. Surprised, but I can't be shocked at Ohio State beating anybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, the Ohio State's talent is yeah. right there with Georgia. Same thing. I, I talked to a guy who follows the Buckeyes closely, and I was kind of teasing them and poking them and talking about, you know, it's you're. Everything was built on winning the national championship was national championship or bust. And it looks like, uh, you know, you're going to bust before New Year's. 
And he said, no, this is okay. Because to win the national championship, we figured we were going to have to beat Georgia anyway. And probably have a better chance to do that than in the semifinal, than in the championship game. So they like their chances a little bit better, even though the game is in Atlanta. And then, uh, if it is Michigan, uh, they're happy about that possibility. Try to play them again. And I said, well, you know, if you're ready for uh, three losses to the Wolverines in 57 weeks, and then he hung up the phone. Well, it's interesting that you say that, Jack, because I, I don't know if there's a huge difference between playing Georgia with three weeks to prepare and playing Georgia with nine days to prepare because ultimately yeah. it's can you prepare for that speed. And I don't – that's hard. But yeah. we, when you when you mentioned it being in Atlanta, we had a whole conversation in the risk room about whether Georgia deserves some home field advantage points. And there was a disagreement because on one hand it's in Atlanta. Yeah. Probably going to be a lot of Georgia fans. But on the other hand, the Ohio State fan base is insane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they will be there in huge numbers. This ain't going to be like Michigan TCU. Right, right. And that's actually closer uh, to Fort Worth than it is to Ann Arbor, but I still would expect that, you know, Michigan's going to have a a big uh, contingent of fans out there. I know that some people were looking for tickets in Atlanta, and uh, to get a decent seat, in the lower level, the seats are more than $1,000 a piece. Guy sent me three different options, and he's going to take one of them. He's going to get two tickets to take his son. And uh, so he's going to spend more than two grand. And he's not a fan of either team. Huh. That is amazing. Yeah, those are two really passionate fan bases that travel really well. Um, the Georgia fans don't have to travel as far, but I mean, rem- I don't know. Remember when they like just packed Notre Dame Stadium? Yeah, and it looked it was just you know red and black everywhere in Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense that 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 the ticket prices would be as high as they are. It'll be interesting to see if Michigan does advance. I would imagine that that would have a positive effect on, on the secondary market. Uh, uh, for yeah. the national championship game at SoFi Stadium, I would imagine. Frankly, I'll tell, I'll say this: I think you could, that there will be some tickets for that game that would be more expensive than the Super Bowl that was played last year. Because wow. Michigan yeah. fans, an opportunity to win the first national championship since 1997. Yeah. Um, first opportunity to win the first undisputed national championship since. Uh, like Tom Harmon era. Uh, a little bit after that, 1948. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that is a poll. And the people in this state will show up for that game. And, for, and I'm frankly, guessing whenever Ohio State plays in Los Georgia, Angeles, it's like that. If you get uh, Ohio State and Michigan out there, and oh, it's like, uh, you know, both, the, both teams getting to go to the Rose Bowl, uh, right. that would be uh, pretty incredible ticket prices, too. Uh, Chase, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate you uh, sitting there through the delay and the miscommunication. Have a great Christmas, and thanks, uh, we'll talk to you next week just before the semifinals. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, have a Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. 
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.